What if the speed of light was 30 miles an hour? What if Earth had two suns? Which cereal mascot would win in a what fight? What if everyone lived underground? What if, it rained what if money grew what on if trees? What if pigs could fly? I don't know if that would actually happen. It's much easier to store a unicycle than to store a horse. Hello everybody and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host Marcus Lehner, and I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Guys, we have a grab bag today, and it is the twice as nice grab bag. So what the heck does any of that mean? So if this is your first time for one of our grab bag questions, normally we all, all three of us answer the same hypothetical questions. On this one, uh, instead, we're each going to answer our own specific hypothetical around a common theme, which this week is twice as nice. Something is getting doubled. Yeah, we like to double things, usually physics things, and then see what breaks. This one's more <laughs> scent related, or sense sense related, is what I meant. <laughs> well, mine is, mine is one answer is more scent related. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna look at making things twice as loud, twice as bright, and twice as smelly, and see what that does to the world. And uh, yeah, I imagine th- I imagine things are gonna break. <laughs> Probably <laughs> things break over on my end. So. Chris, why don't you why don't you start us off? Which one did you cover? Yeah, so I covered what if everything was twice as loud. And going into this question, I thought it would be a pretty simple question to answer. Ended up being a little more complicated than I thought. So I just started going into like what is sound, just looking up what it like define trying to define what sound is. And sound is it's a vibration that propagates through a medium, basically. Um and then our brain perceives that vibration as sound. And we analyze these vibrations in the form of sound waves. And there are two types of waves that they can come in, like two forms of waves. One is transverse. So transverse waves are sort if you imagine like a rope and you like move the rope up and down, then the wave goes down the rope. That's a transverse wave. Transverse waves have crests and troughs. So crests, crests are the top of the wave and troughs are the bottom of the wave. The other type of wave is a longitudinal wave. So if you think of like a slinky, you like push it forward, then parts of the slinky are closer together and other parts are further apart. The closer together parts are called compressions, and then the farther apart parts are rarefactions. Now, in most cases, sound waves are longitudinal waves. Pretty much, I think it's always the case in air and water that they're uh, longitudinal waves. In solids, I think sometimes they're longitudinal and sometimes they're transverse, but in most cases they're longitudinal. So longitudinal waves are kind of more relevant to our questions. I looked at those more closely. And if you're looking at a wave, wave, a wave has different properties. So there's a wavelength, which is the distance between the compressions. The frequency, which is sort of the, the inverse of the wavelength, it's the amount of compressions that pass a fixed point, a fixed point in a certain amount of time. The frequency, actually, if you change the frequency, it affects the pitch of the sound. So, like, you get a higher note or a lower note based on the frequency. There's the amplitude or intensity, which is how compressed it gets. So, like, in the compressions, how close together are they? This is what affects the volume. So this is kind of what we're looking at for this this question. So, to measure the intensity or the amplitude, we use um, decibels. And it's not as simple as just doubling the decibels, because decibels are on a logarithmic scale, so which means it increases exponentially. So 
zero decibels is close to near silence or near it's near silence <laughs> <laughs> it's not not exact not exactly silence do you have to go negative decibels yeah, i don't i don't know what complete silence is they said near silence so i don't know <laughs> 10 decibels increases that by 10 uh by 10 like it multiplies it by 10 if you increase by 20 that multiplies it by 100 and then if you increase by 30 decibels that increases by 1000 so purely based on physics doubling the intensity of the sound waves really only means that you're increasing the decibels by about three decibels so like a normal conversation is around 60 decibels and then a dishwasher is around 70 decibels so like in between there three more than a normal conversation it doesn't really sound like that much it's not that much louder and that's not really that fun on like if you're just basing on physics but what's generally accepted in the sound engineering industry is that the perceived loudness is if you increase it by 10 decibels even though technically that's multiplying it by 10 but that's what we're going to go with so if you go with this I like, I like that the industry has just decided oh people complain that this isn't twice as loud fine it's 10 times as loud <laughs> but we're going to call it twice as loud because we're tired of getting customer complaints yeah so if you go by this, that means a normal conversation will be as loud as a dishwasher, because that's a 10 decibel increase. And a balloon pop will be as loud as a handgun. So that's a much more drastic change, which I think fits our question a little better. So the main concern that we have is hearing loss. So what, what are the safe levels of loudness to prevent hearing loss? So OSHA has a limit. They have 85 decibels over an eight-hour workday for occupational safety. And the EPA has a limit of 70 decibels over 24 hours for public safety. So anything above these can cause hearing loss, like permanent hearing loss. And the Noise Control Act of 1972 in the U.S. actually allows the EPA to issue noise emission regulations. So they already have a bunch of regulations in place, a bunch of limits for like working and public safety will basically just make those a little stricter so like a lot of it is just reducing the duration that you use a tool or like making sure that you have proper ear protection that kind of thing will just be a little stricter the one main concern that i have which is like a constant noise that is sort of out of our control uh, or like on an individual basis is traffic so the Federal Highway Administration, or the FHWA, they say that highway traffic noise ranges from about 70 to 80 decibels if you're standing 50 feet away. So increasing this by 10%, you go to 80 to 90 decibels, which could be a problem because that's above those limits that we were talking about with OSHA and EPA. So this could cause permanent hearing damage for a lot of people if they're living close to the highway. Yeah, it's, it's highways already are loud. I remember looking when we were doing house hunting, like, we, we looked at one place that, of course, wasn't on the listing, but when you got there, like, right behind the backyard is, like, the I-95. And I'm like, oh, no, you can't you, – you, we can't hear each other speak out here. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an issue. And the FHWA does have ways to reduce the noise. So sometimes they, they build noise barriers along the highway if there's, like, residential areas right next to it. Um, that's actually pretty common. Most of the other techniques involve like zoning and changing the way you design like newly built buildings or cities. A lot of those are pretty difficult to implement in an area that's already developed, though. And 
there are plenty of like individual noise protection equipment like earplugs you can wear earplugs like active noise cancellation so right now i'm wearing noise cancellation headphones which like it emits a sound wave that like sort of cancels out other noises and so you don't have to listen to what we're to what we're saying i get yeah it. exactly <laughs> it's, it's it's tuned to cancel out exactly me and ben's audio so you just you just so talking. when you interrupt me then i can just ignore it <laughs> yeah you're, you're just predicting my interruptions you're just into the habit so you don't actually hear them but you just you just pause and make sassy remarks yeah at me. <laughs> i pause <laughs> at regular intervals yep so yeah people can wear all this stuff they can wear that earplugs or the noise canceling headphones but it does get a little annoying to wear them all the time if you're wearing them all the time, like if you live next to a highway. And I imagine not everyone would want to wear this all the time. So my far more practical solution, a lot more convenient, is to live in space. <laughs> <laughs> Where no one can hear you scream. Yeah. So uh, sound needs a medium to travel through and space has no air. I mean, normally the medium is air. There is no air in outer space. So uh, without air, there is no sound. And I don't really know the logistics of living in outer space because I didn't get that far. I'm just more concerned with the sound part of it. It's not my department. Guys, I fixed the sound problem. What are you yeah. doing on your end? Look, just because I created a lot of transport, <laughs> surviving, oxygen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I imagine living in space would involve creating a fake atmosphere or something which we don't want. <laughs> and also, you have to fix the oxygen problem, but you're not allowed to use air. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's not my issue. That's not my problem. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure we probably have had an episode on... I don't, I don't actually know. Have we had an episode where we try to figure out how to live in space? I feel like we have. I feel like we must have, and yet I don't know when it would have been. Yeah. We lived underwater. We have. Inner space. I don't think we've done live in space, mostly because, like, people already live in space. No, we've done, we've done, no, we were going to do Mars, we were going to do a Mars colony at some point, but we never ended up doing it. Because mm. we, we designed that, we did that design an underwater city episode way back, and we're like, ooh, we could do one for, like, a space one. And then we didn't for And then it never happens. Who knows, maybe in the future. And then we'll think of the sound problem as well. We have, to, we have to make sure we get to it before they actually just invent living in space, because it's not so much <laughs> an absurd hypothetical anymore. Yeah, I know. But anyway, that's basically all I had. We'll live in space without any air somehow. Ben, what did you do? <laughs> so I, I looked at what if everything was twice as bright. And really, the, the first question I came, I came to was just, is literally anything other than the sun going to matter at all? And <laughs> in, in when I look at this question, because obviously the sun is very, very bright on a scale that massively outstrips any kind of human-made light that we have. And the short answer is no. It's not really going to matter to look at anything aside from the sun. There was a 2005 Department of Energy study called Basic Research Needs for Solar Energy U Utilization that one of the little, little facts in there was that each hour, 430 quintillion joules of energy from the sun hit the Earth, which is 430 with 18 zeros after it. It's not clear if that number is all visible light. Technically, only about 42% of the electromagnetic, electromagnetic radiation from the sun is visible light. So it is clear. Well. <laughs> it's not clear how much of it. It's 42%. Well, no. They, they don't say if that number that's quoted is just the visible light spectrum or if, if it's, in general, all of that electromagnetic radiation. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. But even if you scale that down, it's still 185 quintillion joules of visible light per hour. 
And the total amount of energy that all humans on the planet use in a whole year, at least as of 2005, so it's probably a little bit higher now, but that is 410 quintillion joules. So on the same order of magnitude for a year versus just one hour. So since the vast majority of human created light is going to be from electrical sources, we can pretty safely say that if the sun is twice as bright, the rest is straight not going to matter. <laughs> just does not even make a difference. The one thing I was interested in would be if there's any difference at night due to increased moonlight, but the difference in like light amount from sunlight versus moonlight is like 400,000 times brighter than sunlight is than moonlight. So it's not going to be, you know, as though it's daytime at night. It's just still going to be dark. It'll be just slightly less dark. It's only it's only 200,000 times less bright than 400,000 times exactly, less bright. Exactly, yeah. So so if you can keep that in mind, you know, just a little, little, little tiny extra slice of, of brightness there at night, but not to the point where, you know, it's going to actually make a difference, really. That's where I sort of started getting into another complicated thing, which is something that it's on, you know, Chris kind of struggled with a little bit too, is that brightness is kind of a weird concept. The the SI unit of brightness is the candela, which is the only SI-based unit that's based on human perception. Basically, all it is is they made a special furnace that operates at a specified temperature, and it's just the light coming off of that, basically. And the reason it's so weird is that brightness is a subjective thing. Even just to find what visible light is is technically subjective if you look beyond humans, right? Um, there are animals that can see in other wavelengths of light. You know, we define visible light as the wavelengths from 380 to 700 nanometers. Anything below that is ultraviolet. Anything above that is infrared. But there's animals that can see infrared or ultraviolet light. There are snakes that can see infrared. There are, this one's a little, we know for a fact that some snakes can see infrared. Ultraviolet, there was a study where researchers just took eyes from a bunch of animals and figured out if the lenses would let ultraviolet light through. And they found that uh, hedgehogs, dogs, cats, ferrets, and okapis, which are apparently relatives of giraffes that live in Central African rainforest, do have lenses that can allow UV light through. Um, so they might see an ultraviolet, but we don't actually know for sure. It's also technically possible for humans to see ultraviolet light. Our retinas are sensitive down to 300 nanometers, which gets you down into ultraviolet, but the lenses in our eyes filter it out. However, if someone's born without a lens in an eye, or if they have it removed for some reason and don't have it replaced by an artificial one, people have reported being able to see ultraviolet light and say that it looks like a whitish violet. And actually, someone who this happened to was actually uh, Claude Monet, the Impressionist painter. He had really bad cataracts and had the lens removed from his left eye later in his life. And there are people who think that that's why a lot of his later paintings have so many bluish colors in them. It's because you could see the ultraviolet light, which that was kind of cool. What does it look like? It, it, it's like violet, but but ultra. Yeah, right. totally. I know. I, can see it. <laughs> I, I read that description. And I was like, oh come on, guys! Like, <laughs> but when we when we you know try to get around to actually doubling the light from the sun, it kind of depends on how you want to do it. Because there are, as far as I can see, two ways to go about it. One that is the most egalitarian, I will say, will work for all creatures, whether they have human eyes or not is we just double all of that radiation, in which case we all die because the Earth is super, super hot. Because that will double all the infrared radiation that provides a lot of the heat of the Earth. And just, you know, in general, bad things happen. Earth is basically Mars now. 
how 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 long did you consider doing math out on that before you said the earth is dead <laughs> i i so no joke i found i found a calculator where you could just like plug in values for like it was based on the mass of the sun which i do a little calculation on to figure out what would actually give us double effective like luminance and i just put that in and saw that the temperature it gave was like 400 degrees and i was like well okay <laughs> i'm good <laughs> that's the answer um so that one's not great we're not going to go down that road I thought about trying to figure out if technically one of the other planets in the solar system would then be in the new habitable zone of the solar system, but I don't think any would be. So that answer kind of just, we're all dead. The other option. So as I mentioned, not all of the electromagnetic radiation coming off of the sun is visible light spectrum. So what we can do is change that ratio. Right now it is 52 to 55% infrared, 42 to 43% visible and 3 to 5% ultraviolet, depending on what elevation you're at. But if we just shift mostly a lot of that light from infrared to visible, at least for humans, things will effectively be twice as bright. I started getting worried then that doing that would make the planet way too cold because infrared is hot. However, infrared light only actually accounts for 49% of the heating of the Earth. Uh, the rest is just all that visible light gets absorbed and re-radiated at longer wavelengths. So as long as the energy is still coming in, we'll actually still be fine. So that one's a little bit cheaty because technically it's only true for humans. Like it'll be true for, I guess it'll be true for other animals as well, but it's not everyone gets total brightness necessarily, but it's as close as we can get without just, you know, microwaving the planet. So was it actually due? The answer is... It's probably a lot of people are blind until we figure out how to make sunglasses. Um, and after that, not a whole lot. Oh, Ben, good news. We, we, we've invented something called sunglasses already well, yes. on I, Earth. I guess assuming, <laughs> assuming it happened like overnight, yes, it would actually not do a lot. Everyone would wake up at 5 a.m. would be super bright. We, we wouldn't understand why we put on our sunglasses and go about our day. But there wouldn't actually be any other super bad ramifications. I guess I didn't look into... I just thought of, I didn't look into if there would be an effect on photosynthesis on plants. I do know that plants are able to throttle that process when it, it is too bright. I don't know if that would like overwhelm that ability. Yeah, ge generally generally it would. So so plants, even on, on bright sunny days, will uh, like slow down and shut off their photosynthesis process. They're actually more efficient when they get less energy. So like the plants actually do more photosynthesis on a partly cloudy day than a, a full-on sunny day because they actually do have to like open up their pores and leaves to kind of absorb that sunlight and they will actually burn themselves if they absorb too much light. I, I also saw that, that they would just pr like produce too much mass effectively and like kill themselves effectively by overgrowing if they don't throttle it yeah current plants don't like it we might get super plants later once they right. get used to it yeah exactly there's gonna be uh there's gonna be an unhappy flower segment in the middle yeah there will be an adjustment period it's gonna be an adjustment period where we don't have sunglasses and plants are screwed yeah which probably isn't great we probably all die then too anyway but if we get through things are most i mean we'll get sunburned more and we'll wear sunglasses more and that's kind of it well do we get sunburned less because we get sunburned from uv layers right um i guess you're right it's the uv rays so this one actually that actually doesn't even change man it really doesn't do much if you don't increase the amount of energy coming in but if you do that <laughs> we all die so two extremes so i was hoping to be something fun with like the side of the planet that's not facing the sun but 
in that case, because the moonlight has so little impact, all the light will be man-made and we'll just make less light because we control that. It's man-made. So you're you're ignoring the the absolute awesomeness that is the conclusion that everyone just has to wear slick like six shades all the time. <laughs> it, I mean, it's no, that part is very good. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm I'm good with that. However, far less societal change than I had really expected. But yeah, that's it. If we break physics and change the way that the sun distributes its electromagnetic well, I have not correctly said electromagnetic a single time this episode. There you go. You just, well, that, just except that right nailed there. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if we change that, the way it distributes its electromagnetic radiation, it works. Otherwise, we all die. And that's kind of that's kind of it. So, Marcus, what did you do? I did what if everything was twice as smelly. And a similar thing to both of you. What does it mean to be twice as smelly? What your Your, your sense of smell is the interaction of tiny molecules in the air and the sensory neurons in your nostrils. So to make something twice as smelly, we either have to double our number of sensory neurons so that we're just better at smelling, or double the number of tiny molecules in the air. Doubling our ability to sense is like the simpler option, but it is kind of boring. Our ability to smell is fairly mediocre, and doubling it doesn't really get us very far. Uh, like for comparison, if you want to look at something that's really good at smelling to see what kind of you know quote unquote powers we could unlock, dogs are good at smelling, and they have about 50 times as many sensory neurons as we do. They also have, like, something like a 20 times more developed brain for smelling. Like, the part of their brain that smells is, like, hyperdeveloped compared to ours. So even if we could smell twice as good, our brain is too stupid to make any use of it. So let's look instead at doubling the molecules that we're smelling in the air. Where do they come from? Off of pretty much everything. When things give off a smell, it's based on the volatility of the substance. So anything we smell has to be in gaseous form. We can smell liquid and solid things because they either evaporate into the air or they react with the air to give off gaseous molecules. Something that is, like, really not volatile, like a steel beam, doesn't really have a smell. Like, you can kind of maybe smell it if you're going, like, right up next to it. But generally, it doesn't emit any particles. Not No part of the steel beam is becoming air at any given point. You're not really smelling it. You're actually usually smelling the oxidation of like a little bit of rust or something on there. You can smell that, but that's it reacting with the molecules in the air. So if everything was twice as smelly, it kind of transforms the question into what if everything was twice as volatile? Sadly for me in my free time, volatility of a substance is not numerically defined. <laughs> there is no number in any equation that I can just go ahead and double. And that's mostly because things release things for different reasons. They either, they can, you know, if they evaporate or if they chemically react with the air, those are both contribute to volatility, but are entirely different processes. So really the thing is, if every source though, if everything is twice as volatile, if every source of volatility is being twice as much gas, what we're really doing is doubling the amount of gas that's around, period. If everything gives off twice as much gas, eventually there's going to be twice as much gas in the atmosphere. And now we've got something to work with. So now, if everything's twice as much, we've doubled the density of the Earth's atmosphere because there's twice as much gas. So what does that mean? Oh, that for means us? more that means more sound. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> but it'll diffuse more brightness. <laughs> it'll reflect it'll reflect more brightness. So we're uh, we're getting there. So there there's a few things I'll touch on at, at the end for some other impacts, but the one I want a little bit deeper on is what does it mean specifically for us humans? How do we fare under double atmospheric pressure? So having twice as much air, the air is twice as heavy, twice as much pressure on us, basically walking around at ground level is going to be the equivalent of being under 33 feet of water pressure-wise. 
which is not a comforting thought. I don't like imagining that feeling. But generally, divers often go deeper than this without really any issue. But we do kind of have some concerns. Breathing air is the one th- is important. Citation needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, citation needed. Let's uh, get some sources here. Uh, air in lungs is good. And scuba divers who go down, like, really deep will actually bring reduced levels of oxygen in their tanks as they get into higher and higher pressures. Because what our body cares about when we breathe is the partial pressure of oxygen, which basically means how much air pressure is there times what's the concentration of air, you know, how much, what percent of the air is oxygen, and that's your partial pressure of oxygen. So right now, in general, in air, it's one atmosphere and 20% oxygen, 21%. Let's say 20, 20% oxygen. So the partial pressure is 0.2. That's what we like having in our lungs. If we double everything, we're going to have twice as much oxygen. But it's going to be the same ratio, still 0.2, but we're going to have two atmospheres. So it's going to be 0.4 instead of 0.2. So is that a problem? So the NOAA diving manual recommends a maximum single exposure of 45 minutes at 1.6 bar, 1.5 bar at 120 minutes, 1.4 yada, 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 about 1.3 bars at 180 minutes is the longest kind of exposure that they they list out there. So 1.3 bars where the diving manual is like, hey, chill out, get your oxygen fixed up. We're under that. We're at 0.42. That's not really very close to 1.3. But that doesn't quite get us out of the woods because there are, it is not healthy for us to have this high pressure of oxygen. Oxygen is becomes toxic in higher concentrations than we're used to. So... The best study I could find that looked at kind of like low pressure. So I found a study that was exploring the impacts of increase at 0.5 atmospheres. So basically right at the level we're looking at for 16 hours. And they found that there are actually going to be a bunch of impacts onto our lung systems for these long extended periods of times, including uh, tracheobronchitis, uh, which is like bronchitis, sore throat, coughing, congestion, fever, that kind of thing, uh, which evolves into... Uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome, which is basically what it says on the cover. It's kind of a nonspecific term, but means you have respiratory distress. <laughs> your, your lungs are not happy. And kind of evolving from there into pulmonary interstitial interstitial fibrosis, which is, hey, your lungs have been distressed for a while. Now they're going to start scarring and it's going to be harder and harder to breathe. You're going to start losing lung capacity as parts of your lungs are damaged. So that's not fun. And kind of to put the little cherry on top, in addition to those kind of three for just, you get a sore throat, it gets worse, you get damaged. You start creating a gas imbalance in your lungs if you're breathing the wrong amount of oxygen, nitrogen, and um, carbon dioxide. And what happens is you encounter absorption atelectasis. Absorption atelectasis, that's what I'm going with. And what this means is that parts of your lung, little air sacs in your lung won't fully go through their process and they remain inflated even though they should start deflating as part of your process because you have all this all these extra gases that aren't getting properly balanced and kind of accelerating on the lung scarring and losing lung capacity this can build up pretty quickly and what this will actually call this will actually lead to lung collapse so for us it sucks uh we're gonna basically have low-level breathing problems for a while until we all just eventually succumb to not breathing good. Um, and we're going to miss out all the other cool stuff that all these this th- thicker atmosphere is going to do. For example, like fires. There's a lot more oxygen in the air per cubic meter, so that's going to increase uh, the ability of wildfires to burn a lot. 
increased oxygen, again, increased oxygen in the atmosphere is also going to lead to uh, bigger and better animals and plants. We're going to be a bit more Jurassic. Uh, actually, Jurassic did not have a high oxygen level, but the paleologically appropriate time in the world where it was 30% oxygen, I've, I've lost the name of the archaeological age. <laughs> but big plants, big animals, you know, it's going to start, we're going to start evolving into the, a more badass earth with kind of just more resources in the air. And it's going to be on fire a lot. And unfortunately, we're not really going to be there for that because our lungs are bad. <laughs> yeah, so everyone, everyone kind of dies, which is what happens if things get twice as smelly. <laughs> I didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah, I, there was two paths. It was nothing happens or everyone dies. And you know which one I'm going down. <laughs> the opposite of what Ben chose. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> this is this is the new like glass half full, glass half empty, huh? <laughs> I can choose to interpret this in one of two ways. I guess the trick is people die slightly in a slightly more interesting way with my right, just yeah. burning. There's not much to say after saying the earth is 500 degrees. Yeah. We turned the planet into a cinder block before. We haven't, you know, yeah. You don't need much uh, explaining to, to say why 400 degrees is bad. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to the end of that part. So let's hop into our would you rather question. Ben, are you ready for your Would You Rather? Yes. So this one I actually didn't get from the book. I came up with it my, myself. Ooh. Oh, a lot of pressure. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I wouldn't anyway, have admitted that up front. <laughs> maybe we'll modify it if it's too one-sided. But would you rather be able to remember everything perfectly or be able to see one hour into the future? Oh, but with my current shitty memory? That's, that's tough. <laughs> I don't even know how much I remember of what's going to happen in an hour. <laughs> Do I have to remember everything perfectly? Is this is this the good version of infinite memory where it's like, and not the, I'm forever traumatized by the one time I said you too to like the waiter when he said enjoy your meal. See, my secret is I already remember all of those, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> this is my only secret. positive I'm, I'm for always. me. <laughs> I just remember the important things too. I say you remember everything. Okay. All right. Being completely practical with this, ignoring all like more complicated things than what what immediately makes me money. Being able to see an hour in the future immediately makes you lots of money because you're just going like bad horse races or something and you're golden. I think you could more. Sus- I, I mean, I guess you could use both to make money. Yeah, but how do you how do you make money from like the way you make money from remembering everything is by going on quiz shows or. I mean, you'd be, you'd, you'd be very good at whatever job you do because half of yeah. having a job is just keeping your shit straight. <laughs> I feel like remembering everything is more like legit way of making money. You're not like cheating anything. I mean, that's true, but also you're kind of you're kind of cheating thing. Like so so if you have perfect memory and you go and just read Wikipedia for you know three weeks straight and then go on jeopardy and win 80 times in a row is that any less cheaty than going to a, a, a like horse racing track and waiting until you know that a horse with you know 21 odds is going to win and putting 40 grand down on them i feel like it is <laughs> it is, is it? more cheaty is it though like i don't know no i'm on ben's side i think they're about they're, they're equivalent they're the cheating. you have a magic i mean you have additional information that other people don't have then whereas if you're studying jeopardy everyone has that information available it's just you're better at remembering it i mean i mean 
technically like I don't put the sec- I don't put like too much sanctity of chance on a horse. Like right, is, is it so sacred that the knowledge of the future is different than having the knowledge of the past? I would also say that it's not like you're using it to like win at poker, where you're directly causing other people to lose. The only person that's losing here is the house. They're going to be fine. They're the house. They're always fine. <laughs> they set it up that way. Also, you don't have to like win. Yeah, you don't have to bankrupt the house either. You can just right. win like you can a live million bucks once, and yeah. then. 20 years later, you, like, run another horse race, and you win another million bucks, and you're just good. Thing is, if you keep on doing this, and you, like, consistently are right about things, people are, might start catching on, and they might start to know that you can see the future. Well, no. I mean, what, what you do... I've, I've thought about this. <laughs> <laughs> when? <laughs> no, like... Like, you, you haven't thought you about, like, what if question. I could see the future? No, not, not this one. Specific. He, he, yes. He's been thinking about this since he saw, since he heard you ask it since an, an hour, hour ago. ago. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> no, so so what you do, you lose, you know, something like 70% of the bets you make, but you just make sure that the bets you hit on are ones that win you enough, it doesn't matter. Also, Or just win the lottery once. Or that. That also works. That's a lot faster than the horse racing. You don't, like, you, you don't have to keep going for it you can just see the next day's lottery numbers an hour before they're drawn go put them in well how how uh late are you allowed to buy lottery tickets before they draw them uh i would guess uh you know what they actually might have a hard cap on it just to avoid like psychics <laughs> no <laughs> not psych but like you don't want to be in a situation where like some dude at 7-eleven isn't paying attention and sells a ticket like, right as numbers are being announced or something. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I feel like an hour is probably earlier than it would be, I, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's not, like, 15 minutes or something. All right. Well, even well, says, even horse racing, if you just put, yeah, if you put 10 grand on a trifecta, you can get, like, 500 to 1 odds and just be done. And just be one payout. You, you got really lucky one time. Yeah. And then you go back to the, the, the place and you, you bet, you know, here and there, and maybe you win some. Who knows? But, like... Why bother? You just ha- you You have... You have some some order of $10 million. I guess you don't need how more. greedy you want to be, yeah. You're not going to be tempted to use it again. You still have the power. Yeah, you still have the power. Yeah, I'm, you, if you're a weak-willed man and you, <laughs> and, you, and you give in and you cave, but you could, that could, you could fall prey to that with other powers too. I would definitely want to use it more than once. I mean, I think the perfect memory, it doesn't really matter if you use it more than once because it just your people know you have a good memory. I, the one thing I don't like about the pure memory is I do feel like it makes it harder to relate to other people like if i just remembered everything i feel like you're gonna get have a lot more perceived slights of other people forgetting stuff that you just don't relate to anymore i also feel like you're gonna have to like pretend to not remember things a lot or you're gonna be just come off as being super super weird oh like when people like read write like people like can like you know read write their own memory with something that's like more favorable to them and you know you know they were just a jerk in that moment, and they've they've convinced themselves they weren't because they've told the story too many times, you know, in a nicer light that they are the good guy, they, and then they just believe it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, exactly. you're going to run into these problems with the scene in the future too, right? You got to pretend like you can't. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's different. Like, but I mean, I I, I don't know how often I'm going to be scouting out my social drive because. Assuming it's like an hour, are you, do you just have a like constant point of one hour in the future that you can choose to watch or not? That's what I was about to ask. Do you, do, is it something you intentionally do? I think my interpretation is it's not something you choose to do. You constantly, it's it works kind of like memory, I guess, where 
you just constantly have a stream of an hour in the future. Here's a follow-up question. Does this mean that you don't have free will? Um, well, I guess the interpretation that we were talking about is that you can change things, but right. I don't know. <laughs> but also, like, if you see yourself, like, you know, if, if you look an hour in the future and you're still in the place that you are currently, wh- what if you leave? <laughs> like, what happens? I think maybe you can change your future. It's just your vision of the future changes as you do the different things. If that make it might get complicated. <laughs> yeah, it gets complicated, but we're gonna we're we're gonna say that you still have free will because that's kind of an yeah. important thing to clarify. Yeah, maybe maybe you just you just maybe you just have perfect knowledge of what the next hour will look like based on what decision you make. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Like you have you have foresight enough to to understand all the bits and pieces that'll happen within an hour based on your actions, mm-hmm. including stuff you wouldn't really get to know, like lottery numbers, because your actions don't really decide those. But right. There's actually there's actually a really funny character in um, Terry Pratchett's books Discworld series. She's actually she's a psychic that she's like often like thirty seconds ahead, and every like conversation is she'll answer a question that someone's about to ask, and she's like, no no, you still have to answer the question or else my brain hurts. <laughs> <laughs> so are there are there any just day to day things that are particularly relevant about either of these? Because I don't really think there are. I mean, I think the memory thing just improves your life in general, like your ability to do things in general. Yeah, it's it's a modest it's a modest it's like a modest improvement or more than modest. It's a good improvement to your life. I actually do I, I I'm still on my point of like it doesn't feel quite right to me. I don't think I want to remember everything. everything. Forgetting yeah. is ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess applies to both situations. <laughs> it kind of does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, can you choose to not look into the future? We just said you can't no, really. You like can't. you're, you're yeah, kind of, you okay. you're always aware of it, like as a like as if it was a memory, I guess, like as if you remembered what would happen. Yeah. Like how much would it suck? So imagine, okay, so here's a place where looking into the future sucks. So okay, there's not really that many great examples anymore now that like Game of Thrones in it. But if there's some TV show you watch with people, <laughs> you're gonna have to just watch it an hour ahead, effectively, and then pretend to react when it actually happens to everything and pretend like you didn't hate it at the end of game of thrones <laughs> right no game of thrones is a particularly bad example where it's like don't get excited guys it doesn't get better are there any other like actually annoying things about looking into the future um i mean i guess like if you see in in the future that someone's gonna like something bad is gonna happen to someone but in a way that you can't prevent yeah or in a way that would put you in danger maybe yeah is there okay is this where we talk about like the moral righteousness of having become a superhero because (laughs) you can technically like if you don't you're going to see bad things are going to happen and not do anything about it when you could have yeah yeah but i mean i only i only observe and i'm cognizant of like so many bad things in my life like how many how many crimes have you really run into where you saw someone get injured or robbed or like someone's car stolen or something that would be like that you would feel morally obligated to prevent if you could have known an hour. I can't I can't think of a single time in my life where like if I had that hour of foreknowledge of like what I was observing that it would actually have like I would have saved somebody. I mean, it doesn't have to be a crime necessarily. It could just be like someone got wronged in some way, like an argument or disagreement or something. And do you chime in and like stand up for them or do you not what's a good use of it i would that being able to play like peacekeeper 
Like, that's probably the strongest part of it is, like, social interactions, knowing when I say this, this is what's going to happen. Like, imagine you go for a job interview. There's got to be a series of events that you can do that make your job interview go well. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell because, like, you can't, like, test out if I say this, then they'll say that because you have to say it first. But technically, if you've decided how you're going to answer something, that would change what you're seeing an hour in the future. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, on your on your way to the interview, you'll see how you get at least one you get one practice interview for free. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get one practice interview on the way, and that's a that's a lot. Exactly one hour before, and then once that hour passes, then you can't do it anymore. Right. But is one hour enough time to come up with the with the correct answer to what is your greatest weakness? No. It's not. <laughs> My greatest weakness My is looking weakness too far into I the future. I can only see one oh. hour into the future. <laughs> I, I think that if you can see an hour into the future, the ethically correct thing to do is, you're going to laugh at me for the first part, do the lottery thing so you have money and don't have to support yourself by working, and then basically just sit and listen to, like, police scanner and be, you know, pre-crime, effectively. <laughs> that always goes so well. Pre-crime is always... Oh, yeah, pre-crime is totally it. a justifiable thing. Yeah, to- yeah. There's never been any sort of work of media that, you know, specifically is about how that's bad or anything. That was a good movie. It's a great movie. I should watch that again. Oh, we've talked about this for like 15 minutes now, so we should probably... Yeah, are, we ready, are we ready for final determinations? Yeah. So I'm going to go with the perfect memory, just because, I don't know, the future thing sounds way too complicated. <laughs> like, I'll have a lot of moral dilemmas, I think, and I don't... Like, if someone finds out that I have it, then I have to explain it and it'll just get confusing and they'll be like, are you crazy? You will know an hour in advance they're going to ask you though. <laughs> True, but I only have one chance to rehearse that interaction. The memory thing is a lot easier to explain and it's just a lot simpler. Marcus? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go, I'll go. I I'm leaning, I am, I have actually changed my mind from what I was implying before. I am leaning towards the memory one. Uh, I'm going to say memory. Because, like, the alienation, I think knowing how all the conversations would go, I think would alienate me more than having the memories. And, um, yeah, it's just it's just too weird to interact with people with foreknowledge of how your conversations are going to go. Puts you at a bit too much of an advantage. I don't like that dynamic. Okay, so the reason I asked you to go is that I was also going to change to perfect memory <laughs> because of the ethical dilemmas. So I wanted you to, to, uh, to not make it... Uh, 2-0 or not have myself make it 2-0 before you went but i guess we're going for the clean sweep on programmery huh for yeah same reasons yeah well i you know i saw this coming with mine and i decided to ignore the ethical dilemma just make it 2-0 for you there you go <laughs> I, I appreciate it you know what it's great so i would i, I theoretically would be fine i'll switch back <laughs> <laughs> there you have it it's better to have a memory than to see into the future but not for the reasons chris said i still don't i somehow am on the same page but don't agree with chris still <laughs> well, that's normal <laughs> We found a different way to disagree. No, that's not different. That's normal. <laughs> yeah, fair. If you can't get enough of me and Chris sort of agreeing but also disagreeing and putting a lot of caveats at our points so that we don't actually have to have a social conflict, we have lots of discussions on our weekly, not weekly, our monthly bonus episodes on our Patreon. If you go to www.patreon.com slash absurdhypotheticals and become a patron for just a dollar for a whole month, 30 days, that's like divide that dollar up into like three cent pieces Imagine three pennies that you throw in the trash. Instead of throwing in the trash, throw them into the internet, into the Patreon page. And then you can be one of our hypotheticals, and you can listen to our uh, monthly bonus episodes. Once you put the dollar in, you get access to all our content, 
All our, all our ones that we've done, we've done like probably close to 50 at this point. I don't even know. And they're cool. They're a bit more laid back. We talk about lots of, lots of different stuff. So that's good. Go do that. If you want us to talk about the questions that you have, you, listener, all those ideas floating in your head right now that have been triggered by our idiotic conversations, you can send them to us. Absurdhypotheticals at gmail.com is, is a good way to do it. If you're on YouTube, you can just put them right below in the comments. And I am pointing towards my crotch in real life because that's what I have to do when I say the word down. I got to point downwards and you can't see it either because it's still not a video format. I thought you meant point at your crotch specifically and I didn't know where you're going with that. <laughs> my my arms are kind of out towards the sides and I tried to point down. Well, no, I get that idea. I just words naturally. So <laughs> it's, it's, I was like, hey, just, just point, point at my crotch. Why not? Well, let's let everyone else know. Uh, but that's where you can put your questions, listener. <laughs> and uh, if that hasn't convinced you to leave a five-star review, nothing else will. Go do that. Reviews only help the show, help people find it. Once people see our show, it helps them click on it. And it lets them know that they're in good company when they press on the question markish logo that is our podcast. So those are the things we ask you to do. That's all we got. That's the end of this episode. You can join us next week where we answer the following question. And by following question, I mean lots of questions. It's a lightning round. (laughs) 